Welcome to the Chase MedSearch Podcast, your place for discussions around hiring and recruiting for commercial positions in the world of medical device technology. From sales to clinical specialists and everything in between, we talk about how to get in, stay in, and improve in this niche of the industry we all love so much. Our show covers technological advancements, leadership discussions, and features interviews with current medical device representatives who share success stories that are as unique as their backgrounds. I'm your host, Jordan Chase, taking you on a guided tour of my last 20 years working in the med tech sector. Let's start the show. All right, we're back. This is Jordan, your host for the Chase Med Search podcast. Hey guys and gals, talking to you today about a bit of a controversial topic, and I realize it's controversial, but for some reason I find it myself always wading in to uh, controversial topics from time to time, and I'm going to take a stab at this one. And I'm going to just say it outright. I think applying online for a job at a company is a huge waste of time, and it's potentially laden with disaster for you as a candidate actually getting a job at that company. I'm going to walk you through why. First out, the larger the company, the more likely it is you'll never be found. Large companies get hundreds, even thousands of applicants sometimes for job, one single job. And the odds of your resume finding its way to who it should at the right time and getting in front of the right person before someone else does, the odds of that are extraordinarily low. I hate to say it. Most recruiters, internal recruiters, talent acquisition folks, the names change over the years. A lot of them, those departments are understaffed and under-resourced. So you can have a single talent acquisition person, God bless their heart, working 30 jobs, which is insane, but let's go 40, 50 jobs that are open and hundreds, maybe thousands of applicants applying online for those jobs and they're just shuffling resumes around from folder to folder. They have to disposition the candidates because a lot of these applicant tracking systems are far more about compliance than they are about an end result, which is finding the right person and delivering them quickly to the hiring manager. They're just not built for that. A lot of them are built very much for compliance. And so that the company, if they are sued, they have a defense for why they made the decisions they made around candidates. And that's just the reality of it. Systems have changed over the years. They're working hard to get better. But from what I see, most of them remain very poor at this and really focused on compliance. So we've got a situation where we've got hundreds of applicants. We've got overwhelmed internal recruiters who are reduced sometimes to just flinging paper at a very busy hiring manager who is also tasked with making sales and trying to run an open territory, you have a recipe in there for disaster for you, the candidate, of being overlooked. I mean that. I've seen it. You know, I've, I've worked the desk of an internal recruiter for over 13 years before I opened this business. So trust me when I say I have a lot of sympathy for those folks because I've worked that job. I remember my last job in corporate America, there had been multiple rounds of layoffs. And eventually, I was the only person left in the recruiting department, and I had over 250 open jobs. And I mean, I was recruiting for 
it was a company that had uh, a component of product line were beds. And so I was recruiting for people that would come in and collect the bed when the patient died in their home. And there is a extensive background check process associated with that, all the way up to vice presidents of information technology and everything in between. And I remember my manager at the time, when I came in, there'd been another round of layoffs. I was the only one left in the department. I walked in and she looked at me and I looked at her. The security guard had informed me on the way up that there'd been layoffs and I should be glad that I wasn't in there the day before because everybody was gone. So I'm thinking I'm going to get laid off. And she looked at me and I looked at her and I said, well, here we are. And she said, well, you need to understand that your job is as secure as it can be. And then she walked into the office and slammed the door. And I sat down at my computer to log in and my fingers were shaking so badly that I could not log in for several minutes because of just nervous energy. And when I opened up that computer and I saw 250 open requisitions, I realized that it was time for me to move on. And, and I did eventually and, and very thankfully opened this business. But I'll tell you, 250 may be extreme, but many internal talent acquisition people are working a tremendous amount of recs and far more than actually can be worked well. So the odds are of you getting discovered, let's establish that they're pretty low. Now let's mix in there that there's a complicating factor because you could apply online, might be in there undiscovered, and eventually the rec, they get so desperate to fill that requisition that they reach out to someone like me, a headhunter. So here I am, eager to go. I start reaching out in the market. You know, I have a big database. I call people out of, send emails out of, and all sorts of things. A network, very active network, calling, surveying, landscape, talking to people. I run across you. And here we go. I ask you, so have you applied online? And quite honestly, at this point, you can't remember if you did or not. You say, no, I, I, I haven't. Tell me about the job. I don't remember applying, so I don't think I did. And I tell you about the job, get the resume, get notes on you, screen you, think you're great, present you. And we run into a snag, which is that you've already applied online. Now, this situation gets very goofy depending on how companies work. And what I mean by that is there are companies that have an applicant tracking system that I can just go in and check and see if you've already applied. So then I have a choice as a headhunter, depending on my relationship with the company, I most times can't get compensated for presenting you to the company. So your candidacy dies right there because this is a 100% commission job. If I can't get compensated for presenting you as a candidate and get paid, then, you know, I will tell you 99.9% .9 of headhunters are not so altruistic that they're going to not get paid for placing a candidate at a company. I will admit there are times when I make an exception and surface a candidate that I know applied online and I very likely won't be compensated for should they be hired. It's a judgment call. And I hate not to surface good talent. So I do go back and forth on that. I do completely understand when recruiters don't surface candidates that applied online that they know they can't be compensated for. So your candidacy might die right there. Let's say I can't go in the system as a headhunter and find out if you're in there or not. So I present you, send you to the hiring manager, send you to HR. Nine times out of 10 HR, I'll get back. If you're in there, I'll already say, you know, Jimmy already applied online. So you're not eligible to be compensated for this candidate if we hire them. 
very sorry about that. But thank you for surfacing them. Because guess what? You, Jimmy the candidate, had never been contacted by that company. No one had reached out to you. You had no email. There was literally no contact. You had not received a phone call. There had been not one contact made at all with you. Nothing until a headhunter doing their job surfaced you and presented you. And now human resources has stepped in and said, sorry, you're not eligible to be compensated, but we will take the candidate. Thank you so much for surfacing. And this is to me an ethical issue and it's completely up to the company. You know, I mean, we sign contracts with organizations that are contingency agreements and there's stipulations in there and all that sort of thing. But a company can simply say, you know what? They were ours already. We own, we have candidate ownership and that's a good candidate. Jimmy's a good candidate. So Jimmy's going to go forward. We're going to go ahead and hire that person. So that can happen or the company can take, in my opinion, a more ethical stance and say, you know what? We didn't know he was in there. We didn't ever contacted him, had no idea that this person with this name and this set of experience even existed on the face of the earth. So we're going to do the ethical thing and we're not going to move that candidacy forward. These are the real conversations that happen behind the scenes. I'm just pulling the curtain back for you a little bit. There's a path forward that I think is better for everybody involved, you, the candidate, the company or employer, and me or my, my field, headhunters, search agencies, whatever you want to call us. So that's a scenario for you. You had never been discovered online by the employer, headhunter found you, presented you, now we're at this situation. But I will say this, most of the time, you're just never going to be found at all if you're applying online. A headhunter might find you on the off chance. But let's say a miracle happens, the sky's open, someone from that company contacted you, you applied online and you were found, you've been discovered. Now, that could be a beautiful scenario for you, depending on how the organization works. But the way most organizations work is they don't work like my field does, where we provide some guidance to you through the process and communication, and we advocate for you. And we tend to have a relationship with the hiring manager, and we know them well. And we know a lot about them. We know about you. We can provide this kind of matchmaking service, if you will. And we can be the go-between between you and the manager on questions you have, like compensation or other questions that maybe you don't want to ask outright, but you do want the answers to these things because they're going to help you make an informed decision around whether this is a job that you want to pursue. Guess what? That's where I come in or an agency would come in and be able to be that go-between and that resource for you. That's a value that we provide. And most internal talent acquisition people have almost no time to do that. They might be sitting on 50 recs right now and they do not have the ability to do that back and forth. Now, don't get me wrong. If it's an important enough position with enough visibility, director level, they can do some of that. But my audience, I'm assuming a, most of you are field sales representatives, clinical specialists, you know, you're in, you're in the trenches. A lot of times the internal talent acquisition person is not going to devote that time, that brain space. So that's where I think my kind of work provides value for the organization, the hiring manager, the company, and you, the candidate. Now, I want to talk about a pathway forward that I think and have felt for a long time makes sense. And that's where I would like to see contingency agreements. Remember, headhunters 
almost all of us, we don't get paid anything at all, no matter how hard we work, if we don't make the sale. It's 100% contingent job, no base salary, anything like that. I'm not, I'm not complaining. I signed up for this. I enjoy it. But I want you to understand why we're so motivated. I think that I'd like to see a stipulation in contingency agreements where if we present a candidate to a company and that company already has that candidate in their database somewhere in the bowels of that system, you know, if it's a large company, let's say they applied for a cardiovascular job, but now we're talking to the candidate, we presented the candidate for a job in, let's say, neurosurgery, you know, something completely different, completely different. I'd like to see companies step up to the plate and just pay half the fee, just split the fee with us. Split it in half if you've already got that candidate in the database. The incentives are all wrong in this process that we've got set up right now. If we can go in and check and find you in there as a candidate, even if you're a good candidate, and we know you're already in there, we're going to drop you like a hot potato, most of us. If you, as the candidate, are found by them, you just have very little guidance in the process. I just think it would make much more sense for everyone involved to just pay half the fee. Just, that's it. Just split the fee. Recruiters are used to doing split fees. We split fees with other recruiters all the time when we make a candidate placement. If the organization would just give us half the fee, I think we'd all be better off. And more talent would be moved forward faster with less fear. So I think that's something that I would like to see. And I'm really sort of isolating here. This, this is a much more common problem with big companies, with big names and big brands in the industry where people think, oh, you know what? There's a job open in Atlanta. There's a job open in Atlanta. Oh, I'm, you know, there, there's a big company. I'm going to apply for that job. Nothing happens ever. The only thing that happens with that is something bad. If I'm a candidate in today's world, in today's market, knowing what I know, I would never apply online. I would reach out to headhunters and agencies. I'd make sure they got my resume. Then if a job were open online and I saw it and I saw the name of the company, I would not apply. I would go on LinkedIn and I would find someone that worked at that company and I would say, hey, I saw a job is open there. Do you know anybody there? Do you know someone I could talk to? I would aggressively network with headhunters and current employees. But the last thing I would do is compromise my chances if a headhunter called me and says, hey, you know what? I've got a job. And lo and behold, it turns out to be at that company rather than taking myself out of the running to work with that recruiter. Okay, I've probably beaten this point to death, but I did want to provide this advice and this guidance. Well, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Chase Med Search podcast. I want to thank you for listening. I hope that you found a lot of value in the advice and experiences I shared with you today. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe at chasemedsearch.com or your favorite streaming platform so you can catch all of our future episodes. I'm also curious to hear about your thoughts on today's show, so feel free to email us at podcast at chasemedsearch.com. You can share your experiences in the med device industry or even suggest a future episode topic. Our door is open to you. Chase Med Search is providing this podcast as a public service. Reference to any product, individual, or entity does not imply an endorsement by Chase Med Search. The thoughts and opinions shared by our guests are their own and do not reflect those of Chase Med Search or any of its employees or contractors. Thanks again for tuning in. I hope you have a great week. Provide value for both clients and patients. Stay safe out there and join us next time on the Chase Med Search Podcast.